Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy, and today I'm talking to Bobby Rebel. She is the author of the new book, Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. Bobby is also the host of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast. And previously, Bobby was a global business news anchor and personal finance columnist at Thomson Reuters and also worked at top news outlets, including CNBC, CNN, and PBS. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fan of the show. Oh, thanks, Bobby. You and I have something in common, which is we both have almost adult kids, like you have in your title of your book, parenthesis, almost on parenthesis, adult kids. Tell us about your kids, how old they are. So I have 25-year-old and a 22-year-old that are my stepchildren, but they grew up in my home full-time. We were, uh, my husband and I have full custody. And then we have a 14-year-old also, so a middle schooler. So we've gone through middle school in the pandemic. And the older ones really inspired the book because I was failing so fabulously with them in teaching them about money, even though I've spent my entire career covering topics related to money. And it was so bad. It was just humiliating. And I'm like, I'm so bad at this. And I know on paper what to do. But in practice... As with all parenting things, we know the experts can tell you, just do this. And that's not realistic. And so, you know, you might say, someone maybe from our parents' generation, and I'm a Gen Xer, might say, well, you know, you just cut them off. Well, that's not happening because we're helicopter parents. And so we're not going to just cut them off. And so, you know, at least I wasn't. Yeah. But also, to be fair, I mean, my parents, you know, pretty much cut me off when I graduated from college, but I could get an apartment in New York City for $600 a month, which even adjusted for inflation was nothing like it is now. I feel like it was possible for us to be out on our own. I 100% agree. And again, I do cover in the front of the book what changed and a lot has changed and a lot justifies why we have to adapt. I mean, even, you know, I joke about 26 being the cutoff for adulthood. Well, that's kind of because of Obamacare, which has so many positive aspects because it does allow us to keep our children on our health insurance, which is 99% good. 
Right. But the sort of tweak to it is that it allows employers to not always feel that they have to give our kids health insurance because they can stay on mom and dad. So that's not the best thing. Right. Well, since a lot of listeners of this podcast have much younger kids than we do, I mean, it's kind of all ages, but a lot of people listening have like a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So let's roll it way back to teaching our kids about, I mean, it should start early, but I think that it's kind of like Money is a touchy subject, Mm -hmm. and we don't talk about it as grownups with one another, at least not very much. And so I think we can make the mistake with our kids of not talking about money, who has it and who doesn't. Yeah, we can. But the reality is that, again, also a generational change. There's a lot of information out there. And you know, those toddlers who have the iPads on the stroller, maybe a toddler is not going to look up what your apartment is worth or your home is worth. But by elementary school, they can do that. Or their friends could. Or their friends can. Yeah, And so you'd be surprised how much more aware they are. And also, we know that even with devices, whether it's Alexa and so on, they can shop without us putting up the boundaries unless we're careful very easily. And there's a lot of things that cost money that they want to buy at younger and younger ages where they are aware of the prices because they're right there on the screen in front of them in a more visual way. So money in many ways is can become part of the conversation at earlier and earlier ages because of that exposure through digital. Yeah, but the exposure is confusing and inconsistent, right? If I was able to do this as a child, able to look up what my childhood house was worth, I would have been like, Mr. Moneybags, I'll go like how we can get all the Jordache jeans I want, right? Because Mm -hmm. the cost of your house is an asset. Yes. It's something that kids can only understand in a very, like, you can have a six-figure home that you're paying a mortgage towards every month and really struggle to pay the bills. So that's it. How much your house is worth, which is very easy for you to look up or for your kids' friends to look up for them. It's a very imperfect notion of how much money you have. It would be some, give your kids a false understanding of what your family has. I completely agree. But I think kids are also smarter and savvier than, at least for me, than we give them credit for. So here's an example. So we were going downtown. We live in New York City and we're going downtown for this cooking class and we're there early and it's sort of like a mall type place downtown. And there was my son, I think on the camp bus had heard some song that talks about Gucci. I happen to own nothing from Gucci. That's good for you if you do. That's great. But I just happen to not be that person. And so I'd actually, myself personally, I'd never been really in a Gucci store. But he said, oh, I've heard of the store, mom. Can we go look in there? I'm like, okay. And he said, maybe I'll buy you a present there. Oh, that's so nice. Okay. <laughs> we go in. I'm laughing in advance. <laughs> Mommy, do you like this? And I think he was about seven at the time. And he was like, Mom, do you like this scarf? And I was like, yeah. I was like, let's look up the price. And the price was something like 370 It was like $375 for a scarf. And he, to his credit, he was like, that is way too much money. He's like, Mom, I got the idea. I know where we can get a scarf. It had like G's on it. He's like, I got it. And he was like, we're going to go to the gap. And he like does not perceive the, you know, to him. And in a way it was like, well, a scarf is a scarf is a scarf. And so he sort of taught me that lesson. Yes. Yes. He's not wrong about that. Right. A nice scarf is a nice scarf. Yeah. But I mean, you know, kids are pretty savvy and they can just see clearly, well, one scarf is this price and one scarf is this price. So, you know, what's the variable? 
And you could, of course, you could get into like, well, they're paying for marketing. I mean, I did that. I said, see those pretty models? They had to pay those people to wear the clothing and it makes it pretty and people like to see it. And then the singers put it in their songs. And so all of that is a cost to them, not directly necessarily the singers, but the marketing and stuff like that. And maybe it's made in a different country. So it opened up a whole discussion as to why these two scarves, the Gucci and the Gap, were different prices. That doesn't mean I justified that you should buy the Gucci scarf. But I was explaining to him why there would be this difference. The location of the Gucci store was a very fancy location. They probably had to pay more for their rent. They had to pay more salespeople that were working there. They had to pay to import it. They had to pay taxes, different fabrics, and so on. And how old was your kid when you were having this discussion with him that day? He was about seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's possible to do that. And he's a very tactile kid. He happens to really like the gap, but he liked to to go in and he would like to feel pajamas and stuff. He really wanted to feel his pajamas and make sure they were with the right softness. (laughs) And that was important to him. And did he have an allowance? Did your kids have allowances? Yes. And did they spend them on things like pajamas? They have, but we failed. That's an area that we've really failed at because when we've given them allowances, we had parameters like you have to make your bed and they would just be like, nah. I'd rather just not make my bed. Not make my bed and not have the allowance because I'll get the pajamas anyway. Yeah, but they don't need anything. Like, that's the thing. What are you holding over? That's been one of, you know, like I said, this book has been inspired by my failures. And one of my struggles has been wanting them to want the money. You have to have a kid that wants something and they need your money to get it. So you have to figure out what that magic formula is. It's like the empty threats. You know, you can say, oh, I'm going to take the TV out of your room, but they don't care because they're not watching the TV. They're watching their computer or their phone. So it's like an empty threat if your kid doesn't care about the TV. So is the problem you're saying that the allowance is not something if they don't actually need the money and you have to make it something that they need more or do you? Yes, exactly. So now he is getting better because he wants the allowance because there might be in-game purchases he wants. Mm-hmm. And so that is now working a little bit better. But when he was younger, like he didn't really need anything. He wasn't a materialistic kid. And so what was he buying with the allowance? He had everything he needed. And I think that's true for people in a wide range of financial situations that money is very hypothetical. I want to take a break when we come back, talk about like the difference between our understanding of money and how our kids view it today. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking... I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get in. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, 
when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So we're back. We're talking to Bobby Rebell. She is the author of the new book, Launching Financial Grownups. And you make a really good point in the book that I hadn't really thought about, that money is so much less visible today to kids than it was in our families growing up. So my spouse tells the story of remembering growing up if the difference between a four paycheck month and a five paycheck month, depending on how many, you know, Fridays there were in the month, that that was a different kind of month in his house. And just understanding that in a very literal way. Now, of course, a lot of kids still live with that, but many more kids, I think money just flows differently today because it's digital. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's so accurate. I mean, I have memories of my mother going to the bank on Friday afternoon to get cash for the weekend because the bank would be closed. Yes. And now we have ATMs. And if you ask a kid, where does money come from? They say ATM. But the truth is we're even moving away from that because we don't even have that much cash, physical paper being exchanged, both because everything's digital and also because with COVID, a lot of people don't want to handle things that other people are touching. So there's been even a bigger move away from visual cash. So a lot of people like to teach kids budgeting with envelopes and physically understanding the cash. And to me, unfortunately, that's become just an exercise. So we had, when my youngest was growing up, and they're not really used as much now, I think really since the pandemic, he sort of was in sixth grade when the pandemic started and it sort of faded then. But we did have the three jars that Ron Lieber recommends in his book, The Opposite of Spoiled, which is a great sort of book to accompany my book because it really does cover the younger years so well. He had three jars and I believe they were save, spend, and give. And so the saving jar, we would deposit periodically in the bank. And the bank, we discussed how to deposit it. You can put it into a machine, which takes 11% cut from what you deposit. Oh, like the Coinstar machines. The Coinstar machine, yes. And we discussed that we were not going to do that because that was a very big percentage. And I let my son make that decision. Mm. But when you go to the bank, they make you roll it up yourself. And I thought that was really good because I remember him looking at them and he could see that the quarters added up so much faster. And he would say, mommy, these 
pennies are taking forever. He would be rolling his eyes and be like, oh my God, this is taking so long. And the quarters were so much more efficient to him. So I think that was a really good tangible thing. I don't know that that's happening as much anymore, especially we actually have a coin shortage in this country. I think that that was a visual that a lot of kids are not getting. So that said... What you can do is if you have a bank account for your child, you can at least digitally go through and see with them, you know, where their money is. You you can pull up a screen and show them. You can use an app and discuss with them where their money is going and that kind of thing. So there are digital tools, but I still think with young kids, I do think, you know, counting out coins can be really valuable. I use a credit card for absolutely everything. And then sometimes Apple Pay. And I have kids who are old enough to sometimes go places by themselves. We live in New York City and they might take an Uber or they might take a taxi where there's an app, which is even one more step removed. So you have the app where my credit card information is preloaded mm-hmm. and you just beep up, boop, you just match up. And it's like there is no money being transferred. It's like you lose sight that it's you're not even swiping a credit card anymore. It's like it's free. Well, it's not free. It's showing up on my credit card six weeks later. And how can we reset that? I wish I could go back now and be talking about this with my kids. Like I used to narrate when my kids were younger and I'd be pulling out my phone all the time. This was a Susan Dominus idea that I loved. She's a writer for the New York Times. And she talked about our kids can't tell if we're looking at Facebook nonsense or we're lost, right? We're just looking at our phone. We're just not giving them our full attention so that we should narrate when we have the phone in our hand. I'm just looking to see how long it's going to take us to get home. And then I'll put this away and you can tell me about your day or whatever it is. So just so they understand what you're doing. Are there ways that parents can sort of narrate what we're doing as we go so they understand that money's being exchanged? So one thing that I do is when we're in taxis is I kind of play the mom that needs help. And my son is always happy to come to the rescue because he prides himself on being very good with technology. So we take out the app and I say, okay, how do we do this now? And he's like, okay, mom, input this number because each taxi has a number. And then we go through the different variables that make up the fare for the taxi. So for example, you have control over how much you give as a tip. So I'll say, how much should we leave as a tip? And we can discuss that and you can preset that and that can be a separate discussion or you can change it each time depending. And then you also can go over because it breaks it down for you. You can see it all out there in the app and also on the meter in the taxi. There's two places you can look and it will say, this is the fee to basically just get in the cab. This is the additional fee for the zone that you happen to, if you cross into certain areas of New York City now, they actually charge you more. It's a little bit bananas, but you can create a whole discussion about it. Another thing that I used to do in the before times is if we had an activity, I would say, okay, I'm picking up at school. We can either take a taxi or we can spend that amount of money on a snack. Hmm. So I would empower him to make decisions about how we would spend our money as we went through the day. And that would always be interesting. He generally chose the snack and it was generally (laughs) ice cream. But you know what? Then we were walking. That was the idea. I was like, okay, if you're having a snack, we're going to be healthy and we're going to walk to the activity instead of taking a taxi. Another thing that you mentioned that is very different is that so much of our purchasing is online, that boxes just sort of show up. If we need something, we get it. And again, it's like Amazon Prime, just press buy now. And there's almost no engagement at all, unless you're very deliberate about it, with how much does that new gaming headset cost that you want it, you get it, right? And there's and it's frictionless. And how do you help your kids sort of understand 
wanting something and not having enough money to get it and choosing prices? Like, how do you make that more visible? You can use technology to your advantage. I mean, it does take more work, but you can also say, okay, here's what the headset costs, but let's compare prices. Let's shop together online. And it doesn't take that much effort. The other thing I want to point out is that, yes, that's absolutely an issue that things, because we're ordering online, you don't feel the money as much. But we're also not having the kid following us in the toy store saying, mommy, get me this, mommy, get me that, right? Right. We don't have that constant tug of the store shelf and as much in their face. So there's in some ways more control because you don't have all these things pushing at them. You still have ads all over the place, but it's sort of one good thing and one bad thing. What about when you really can't afford something? When your kids want, you know, $120 sneakers and that's just not in the cards for your family ever, let alone, you know, this week. Yeah. How do you have, you know, open and successful conversations with your kids about that? I think it's important for parents to be candid at a level that that's age appropriate for the child and that is also realistic to where their family is. That said, I think it's really important to be positive with children about money, to give them a feeling of security, and to also find creative solutions. So if it's something that is probably not in the cards in the short term, that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that can perhaps satisfy that child's aspirations. So maybe you have a discussion with a child about what is it about that item that they like. It might be just that their friends have it. Well, maybe you can look somewhere else for something the same or similar, like a buy nothing group, like a thrift store, find it secondhand. Maybe you work with a child to save money in some ways, depending on the child's age. Maybe there's something the child can do that's age appropriate that they can start saving their own money to potentially purchase it. Maybe they can find it on sale. Maybe they can find it from last year, but create a discussion about how to get there together without creating a feeling of negativity and without creating a feeling of shame or blame. You know, I'm thinking about my younger brother. He really wanted a pair of Air Jordans. It was a long time ago. (laughs) Air Jordans were it. And I think like he birthday money plus paper route money plus, you know, like he saved and saved and saved. Yeah. Got these very expensive sneakers that are not what my parent would have picked for him, but they let him sort of understand how much they were worth and that it was going to be every birthday card money for a year to get these sneakers. And he got them. And I remember him cleaning out the soles with a toothpick. Like he kept those sneakers looking pristine for so long because he knew what they were worth because he had given up other things to have it. And I think my parents looked back on that as like, well, it was still $100, still too much for sneakers, but he understood that they were precious and they were, they were precious to him and he loved them. And so I think there are lessons in that, right? There are lessons that are possible. Besides you get whatever you want and no, you can never have that silly thing. Exactly. I mean, even, and if you can afford it, but you feel that you want them to have skin in the game so that they appreciate it, as you just talked about, you can do something like I'll match you dollar for dollar if you want to save, if you want to kind of meet them halfway. That can also be helpful if the goal maybe is a little bit too big to get in a reasonable time frame. And sometimes kids will outgrow something before they even get it. Yeah. But I really, I love that idea of that story because sometimes when we just give it to them because it's easier for us to just say yes, there is no sense of appreciation. There is no real value to them because it was just given to them. And when we work for things, we do, this is at any age, we appreciate it so much more if it was harder to get. That's just human. 
you say something in the book that made a lot of sense to me about, you know, moving to older kids for a second. Once we do give them their own money to spend or their own allowance or budget and that part of that increasing the freedom and letting out the toe line a little bit is letting them make silly decisions with their money. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I do want to leave the caveat as a parent, what we perceive as silly decisions can really bite us because Ah. one example I give is my friend Jen. Jen talks about her kid buying things in the fake world, whatever the metaverse. And she (laughs) thought it was ridiculous. And then he started making money, like actual money. He starts trading it. And so she's mortified that he's buying this. Like, how are you buying, you know, the skins and they buy things in these video games. And it's like we're using real money to buy fake things. And to me, it's like, so I don't get it. I just don't get it. I just see us throwing money away. But you have to let them do that because first of all, Mm -hmm. that is something that they value. And you have to think of it as buying an experience, let's say. They're buying the experience of doing that. And sometimes they really prove you wrong because as Jen's kid did, he started making money. So she was like, I had to just eat my words. Yeah. There you go. But look, here's an example. So I think it's ridiculous that you, they'll go into these worlds and they'll buy, you know, new outfits for their avatars, whatever it may be, new things. But I had a paper book with like, Barbie clothing that I would put on the paper doll and you'd pay, let's say the book was, you know, $5.99 for this clothing that you then put on the paper doll, the paper clothing, and then eventually it's in the garbage. Look, if you have older kids and they want to invest in something that seems ridiculous to you, at the end of the day, as long as they're not gambling away their college money or something ridiculous, I mean, if they're choosing to spend their allowance on something dumb, let them Mm -hmm. do that. That's what it's for. You want them to make those choices. And again, what you perceive as not being worthwhile could be very worthwhile to them. There's a store near me that sells sneakers that are fancy and there's there are people that wait online. This is a thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. They wait online because a certain sneakers being released and I can't process that because they resell them on eBay. In that world, there's value. They're making money doing that. They're making money. First of all, it's business, but also people actually keep them and collect them and find value in them. So who are we to judge? Yeah. Right. And, you know, you guys talk a lot on your podcast, you know, about like the trends of when we were growing up. And, you know, I had to have the Benetton shirt with the guest jeans and, you know, we had these little ballet slippers that we wore. And I'm sure my mother thought that was ridiculous, but that's what I had to have at the time. So you have to remember that what's important to them is what's important to them. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. We're talking to Bobby Rebel about launching financial grownups. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So we're back. We're talking to financial expert Bobby Rebel. I want to f- talk to you about this idea of teaching our kids sort of financial concepts along the way that you argue in the book that we're sort of missing opportunities and teachable moments because we think that they won't get them or maybe we don't get them. And so we miss opportunities. Can you talk about how you sort of introduce financial topics into everyday life with your kids? It happens right under your nose without you realizing it. And all you have to do is sort of articulate, I think, what's in your head. So here's an example. A few years ago, something happened and we're at the podiatrist, the foot doctor with my son. I think he was about 10. And it was December. And the thing that I love about going to the doctor in December having a family of five on one health insurance, is that we are done with our deductibles. So I was thinking that in my head, like, wow, this is great. It's just going to cost me the copay. So glad this didn't happen in January because then I would have to pay the whole thing, right? And I decided to just say that out loud. And I had this whole discussion with my son about how health insurance worked and how because we had already paid this. So we're sitting in the doctor's room, you know, waiting because they move you from the waiting room, then they move you to the inside waiting room, then they move you to this room. And so you have a lot of downtime. And we had this whole discussion. And by the end of this, he got it. He really got it. And it was very interesting seeing him process sort of how health insurance worked and There are opportunities all along the way for these kind of discussions about how different things work. You know, why does a bank hold your money for free? Well, they lend it to other people and they make money that way. You know, so everywhere you go, you can sort of just say what's in your head out loud. Yeah. And I guess we need to dumb it down less than we think it do, right? Like I get frustrated with the sort of copay deductible. It's like, just use, don't use made up words. Don't use more jargon to define the jargon. We can all get lost in it. And I think they sometimes want adults to get lost in it and remain financially less literate than we should be about our own spending. But kids are interested in this stuff, right? I like. I know I've seen my own kids really light up like, okay, wait a minute when you explain interest rates to them. Exactly. And I mean, it's different when your kid is 18 than when they're eight. But these things are kind of interesting because it's invisible, right? It's like, whoa, you mean the bank is giving my money to other people? Like, uh-huh. what do you mean? What if I want it back? Like, that, these are big, fascinating right. concepts. And you can explain, well, there's a rule that they have to keep a certain amount back that they can't lend out so that they have enough money for that. And they're like, well, what happens if everybody wants their money? And it's like, well, there's government insurance. 
and you can go and explain that. And it's really very interesting how much they absorb and how much they're interested in when you talk about just the everyday things that are going on in life. I mean, we're coming up on tax season. And while I don't recommend, unless it's truly age appropriate and you're really comfortable with it, you don't have to show them your tax return. But if you're kind of grumbling about having to do your taxes... It's not a bad thing to say, well, we don't like paying taxes, but we do like having roads. We do like having (laughs) policemen and firemen and, you know, somebody has to pay the mayor and all this stuff. And you can explain the general concept of paying taxes and why it's good and why they have certain things, you know, depending on the age and you can gauge their interest. You can say, well, Sometimes the government uses taxes to make people want to buy homes more, or they can use taxes to make life easier, I wish more, for families. And there's different things. And even if you put the TV on in the background and things come up and they ask a question, we'll use that as a lead-in to discussing something going on in the news. Well, why did President Biden in the last speech talk about the family tax credit? Why did he talk about Build Back Better or whatever? And you can explain, non-politically even, well, this is what people are talking about because they feel like the roads across the country are getting a little bit old. So it's a question of how much we spend to fix the roads and who's going to pay what share of it. Mm -hmm. And that can be a really interesting discussion that just comes up. Can we talk about as we prepare our kids to to leave the nest and be more financially independent. Say somebody's listening to this who's a teenager, what are the sort of steps towards independence that we need to be putting in advance before they leave for college and have never used an ATM card, as I discovered summer 2021. We figured it out just in time. My kid did not know, you know, I mean, knew there were ATMs, but what did he need an ATM for with Uber on his phone and the credit card in his pocket? So we had to teach him that like in the 10 days before he left. What are the things, the blind spots we have? Well, I think everyone's blind spots are going to be different, but I love that you did that because it reminds us that we should not assume that they know how to do things that we, well, I just said it, that we assume they do. A lot of things just have not come up and they might come up later. So what's great is now, first of all, there isn't a hard deadline the way there used to be. It used to be you dropped off a of college, there was a payphone down the hall and good luck. Now they can just text you and ask you if something comes up. So that's actually not as dramatic, but you do want them to be prepared. And I think it's important to just play out how the first few you know weeks of college are going to go. Okay, you're there. You're going to need to do laundry. Let's go over how to do laundry. You need detergent. You're going to need, you know, is the school going to supply it? And go through sort of a checklist of their daily life. But also, don't stress out about it because there is going to be this continuing communication and there are going to be things that you just don't think of. And we have this wonderful crutch now and that we have so much more communication with our kids and it's an ongoing thing. So I don't want people to feel that there is a deadline. The book goes from age 16 to 26 for a reason, because every kid is on a different time schedule Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. have to let them be at their own pace within the realm of making sure that they're okay. Obviously, they have to learn how to do certain things by certain times, but there is not a set thing and everyone needs to adapt to their kid and where their kid is. I can think of one example with my kid who's at college now, uh, first year, and he just bought his first plane ticket on his own without me being involved at all. And he was so proud of it and sent me the receipt when it was done. And, you know, he did it. He did buy some rather expensive travel insurance, which I think is, you know, is probably not something he needed to do in this case. And he was so proud of himself. But see how cautious and prudent I was, mom? Like, and I got the travel insurance. I knew you'd want me to. And I was like, 
well, we can talk about that. Well, Maybe sometimes not always. But anyway, you're learning as you go, right? It wasn't a disastrous choice. It wasn't a disastrous choice. You probably wasted $39. Right. But here's the thing. For the price of $39, and you can see me, if anyone could see me, I'm getting so excited because there's an awesome lesson here. Because now you can open up a discussion as to what credit card did he put it on? And does he know the free benefits, the included benefits on that credit card? Because many credit cards... Right. Exactly. But you didn't think of that in advance. It probably cost you 39 bucks or whatever the insurance was. Okay. Cost of doing business, fine. But now because it came up and because he told you that, he didn't just tell you, I bought the ticket and it cost this. And he lumped in the thing because you have a communication and a relationship with him that he said, I also bought the travel insurance rather than giving you just like a bill for the total. Mm-hmm. You now know to teach him, okay, we're going to use this credit card from now on. One of the benefits is that it includes travel insurance. That covers this because not all travel insurance is the same. And now you won't make that mistake again. He might be able to circle back and delete it, depending. Probably not. But you could have a whole discussion about how insurance is marketed to people at often at a weak point. And they're doing that for a reason. And while it could be a very good thing to have... Number one, a lot of that travel insurance may not cover what you think it covers. Right. So did he read it? So next time you make sure he reads it. But before he buys it, look at the credit card you're going to use or choose a credit card that's going to have the travel insurance that you need and understand what does it cover? I mean, if it's only going to cover what maybe the airline automatically covers, it's not worth it. Is it going to only cover you if you're so sick and have a doctor's note, but it's not going to cover you if you just like decide not to go on the trip? Some people might think that that's what travel insurance covers. Usually you have to actually, you know, get the doctor's note Mm -hmm. if that's, you know, to prove that you're sick. You can't just decide you don't feel like going depending on the insurance. So I think it's great. It was $39 really well spent. Right. Because you got a great lesson. No, but seriously, I mean, it's, it's okay. In the scope of life, that's okay. And now you had that discussion. Yes, exactly. And we'll have to have him sitting here like, oh, shoot, rental cars. I have to make sure I talk to him about rental cars too, for the same reason. Exactly. It's not beating yourself up about not teaching them to thine own self be true, like getting the 25 things out they have to figure out, they're going to figure it out by messing up. It's not only by messing up. It's like now from that one possible mess up, we don't even know that it was a mess up because we don't know that your car did include it. We don't know. But from that, think how many topics you now can think of that you want to cover with him. Now you're like, okay, let's also research how would it look if you needed to rent a car. You may not think a rental car is coming up soon, but what if in a clutch situation he had to rent a car, Mm -hmm. right? What do you need? Is even old enough. You know, a lot of car rentals, you have to be even older. So, you know, maybe there's only one or two brands that will rent to somebody his age. Maybe he, you know, whatever it may be, you now can have that information and have that discussion with him prompted by this conversation and then go forward from there. Right. And from there, you could perhaps even have a discussion. By the way, did you know that you're on my auto insurance? Did you know right now we're paying an add-on of X dollars per year to include you in our auto insurance? So, at some point in the future, and you don't have to set a date, you can say abstractly around the time you graduate from college, you're going to take over that portion of the bill. Because one thing I talk about in the book is that if it's cheaper to keep a kid on your insurance, health insurance, auto, whatever, 
I like to think of it as a family ecosystem and not creating extra costs. So you can throw your 25-year-old on their own insurance, but if it's going to cost more than the add-on to your insurance, keep them on your insurance and you can have them pay you back for their portion if you want that. Right. But don't create extra expenses. Right. At any time, just out of principle. There are ways to create financially literate grownups. It's a process, you're saying, and it isn't like cast them out in the cold without the keys that we don't have to do that in order for them to become independent. No, there's a very deliberate reason why, you know, the age for the book is a 10 year age Uh because things are going to roll through life. I mean, the example we just talked about is everything because most of what you're going to teach your kid is going to be relevant in the moment and teaching kids abstract things, which is why I love when schools are doing financial education. It's all good. This is an and, not an or, but parents are the ultimate stakeholders. And it's really important that we meet them where they are at the time when it matters. So I can talk to my daughter as much as I want about how much her taxes are going to bite her paycheck. But let me tell you, and I had the primal scream that came from that child when she got her first grown up real paycheck was deafening. As prepared as she was, she was just the emotion happening when she saw how much was taken out because she had the government stuff. And I made her do the max 401k and she had an HSA with a high deductible health plan. The whole thing, it was a lot. Yeah. And when you really see it, that's the time when you can really go through those numbers because that's when it matters. Even though you say things to them, it doesn't sink in and really become something that matters until it matters. Yeah. We've been talking to Bobby Rebel. She is the author of the new book, Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. Bobby, tell us where we can find the book and you and your work and the podcast. Oh, yes. Well, the book is out everywhere. So pick it up wherever is most convenient for you. But of course, it's always nice to support independent bookstores. My podcast, Money Tips for Financial Grownups, is also everywhere podcasts live. I also have a merch line called Grown Up Gear, which has lots of fun t-shirts and sweatshirts saying things like, I can't believe I'm a grown up either. <laughs> and it has a lot of infant wear. The best-selling stuff, Amy, it's really funny, is actually the baby stuff, which says things like, I can't believe you're the grown up either, <laughs> or grown up in progress. It's also a fun one. So check out grownupgear.com and bobbyrebel.com. Just my name, my website will lead you everywhere else. Thank you so much. I will put the links to all of that in the show notes. Bobby, thanks for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.